Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi everyone, I'm Jerry Bunkowski and welcome to the Racing Beat Podcast. On today's episode, a big one. The biggest race of the year, the biggest race in the world. The 105th running of the Indianapolis 500 this Sunday at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Michael Eubanks and I will break down what's going to happen in this race, who we pick, who we think are the favorites, who we think are the dark horses. So stay tuned and get ready to start your engines on the Racing Beat Podcast, right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Racing Beat Podcast. I'm Jerry Bunkowski, joined by one of my best friends and a great IndyCar writer. He does a lot of stuff for our uh, Substacks blog, Michael Eubanks, out there in uh, in Oregon country, as far removed from Indianapolis as you can find, but still he, he really covers the series very, very well. He worked with me at NBCSports.com's Motorsports Talk section for a year and a half. Really did a good job there. Mike, it's great to have you joining us today. And uh, we're going to do a lot more of these uh, these podcasts going forward. You know, we really want to try to make it a little bit more more humorous, a little bit more personable, a little bit more, uh, not, not so much straight uh, interviews. We're going to have a little fun with this one. And, you know, you, this is a great opportunity to do this because we're going to talk about the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500, which is this Sunday down in Indianapolis. Um, it's going to be an interesting race to say the least. I mean, you've got a lot of guys who are looking to make history. Elio Castroneves is looking to uh, get when you know, his fourth, he'd become the fourth. He would become the fourth driver to do so along with AJ Foyt, El Unzer and Rick Mears. And he has been trying to do that for the last several years. This actually may be his last shot at that. So, uh, you know, I think that if anybody's a sentimental favorite, it would, would be Elio. You've also got Juan Pablo Montoya back in the race for the first time since 2017, didn't qualify very well. He's down around 24th, uh, but he's hoping to win his third Indy 500. And you've got a lot of young uh, you know, drivers that have done really well thus far this season. And even going back into last season, you know, you've got Colton Herta, Patricio Award, Alex Palou, I mean, among others. So this is really going to be a, a race. I think a lot of people are going to remember. So first of all, thanks very much for joining us and taking the time here and, I guess the best place to start off with Michael is the easiest question. How do you, how do you kind of handicap this race? You know, who who do you see as being, you know, uh, in in your mind, one of the top drivers to win, who's maybe a surprise winner, who may be a surprise loser. Tell me about your thoughts about how this race is going to shake out. Sure. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me, Jerry. It's always a pleasure to be on. And secondly, you know, this field for this year's race is uh, just stacked with talent from top to bottom. So, I mean, really, there's a lot of guys that I think could win this race. But, uh, you know, if I was a betting man, it would be hard to not put the money on the guy who's sitting in P1. <laughs> right. Scott Dixon, I mean, he, he is the he's obviously the greatest driver of this, uh, of my, my lifetime, who knows he may, may very well be the greatest ever once he hangs it up. Uh, but I mean, you know, he's a defending series champion. 
He's already got a win under his belt at uh, Texas, and he's the pole sitter at Indy. Just all the Ganassi cars so far this month have been fast. Uh, all of them are in the top nine. Uh, you know, if I had to bet, it would it would probably be Scott Dixon and Victor Lane. If not him, maybe one of his teammates. What about guys who are coming into this race with a lot of momentum, you know, obviously have a big name recognition and may not do very well. I mean, and I, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or anything like that, but you know, there has been some, uh, there's been some concern for some of the drivers, especially how they qualified. I mean, Juan Pablo Montoya, like I mentioned a moment ago, you know, he's back for his first time since 2017. He's down there in 24th position. Uh, Will Power, you know, he had a real struggle, you know, uh, just to make the field. And he's starting 32nd the, in the middle of the last row. Um, you know, you've got Simona Di Silvestro, who, uh, you know, it's a great storyline on the team, you know, the all-female team that she's got going there. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of guys that just, I just really have a, a question mark. Can they really be serious? I mean, I'm not, ser- I'm not serious, but I mean, serious contenders for the win. I mean, you just, you look at the, the probably the back half of the field from about, you know, the, uh, probably about the seventh or sixth row back. There, there's some guys that have been struggling and I just don't know how they're going to wind up. I mean, you look at a guy like a, a Graham Rahal starting 18th, James Hinchcliffe 17th, I'm sorry, 16th rather. And then the, the one of the biggest surprise, the top qualifying team Penske driver is a brand new rookie. This is only the second oval track he's ever raced upon. And that's Scott McLaughlin. You know, he did very well uh, in his first two races on ovals at Texas, you know, the double header they had a, a few weeks back. But he's the top Penske or top qualifying Penske driver. Joseph uh, Newgarden qualified 21st. Excuse me, Simon Pagino, he qualified 26th. And of course, Will Power is 32nd. So, I mean, looking at all those names in the back half of the field, who does not, in your opinion, have that good of a chance of winning? I mean, who would really be a true surprise to win given how poorly they qualified? Well, I can't believe I'm saying it this year, but uh, I think it would really be a surprise if the Penske car uh, won the race, which, uh, I mean, that's unheard of. Every single year we come to Indy, we always expect uh, Roger to get another uh, another baby Borg. But, uh, you know, this year it doesn't look like it, that's going to be the case, um, which, you know, is odd because, you know, in years past, yeah, Penske has – maybe been slow, you know, to start the month, but, you know, just always assume, oh, you know, it's still early in May, you know, they're not uh, showing what they got. They're not flexing all their muscles. They uh, got a couple good guards still in their hands that they haven't played yet. But uh, no, this, this year, they uh, just something's off. They've been really slow. I mean, Yes, uh, McLaughlin's definitely the uh, surprise of the bunch, having uh, you know qualified 17th, being the best uh, best Penske driver, and now only his uh, you know second oval race. Mm-hmm. That's quite odd. Um, yeah, Newgarden starting 21st, Pagano 22nd, and of 26th, course 26th for Pagano. Oh, excuse me. Yes, 26. Uh, you know, Will Power starting 32nd and 
You know, there was a point where we were wondering if he was going to even make the race. That's unbelievable. It's been a long time since uh, Penske has failed to qualify. And even, you know, in last place, uh, Simone Di Silvestro, obviously uh, it's not a Penske car per se, but uh, I know that they did have, uh, you know, some help in preparing that car. So, you know, all the Penske cars aren't doing well this year and, it's going to be really tough for one of them to, uh, you know, make its way to victory lane. They're going to need a lot of good luck on their side. Well, you know, I was looking at the results from last year's 500. Obviously, nobody attended that race because of COVID. But, you know, I, I looked at the at the uh, the qualifying, and you know, for the most part, it was kind of almost a, a repeat. Or, well, I'm sorry, I should say this year's qualifying. It was almost a repeat of last year. The Penske cars did not qualify well last year at all. And really the only guy who had a decent finish was Hilt, or um, I'm sorry, uh, Newgarden who finished fifth and everybody else finished outside the top 10. So, you know, when your boss owns the series, he owns the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He has 18 wins as an owner uh, at the 500. I agree with you that it's very odd that the Penske cars have been off. But if any day is going to be is going to, is going to see them you know rise to the occasion, it's got to be Indianapolis. I mean, I know going into the month of May, New Garden, many people were saying this is going to be his year, and he came so close back in what was it sixteen? I think it was uh, when he was with Ed Carpenter Racing. You know, this this could be his year. He wants that Indy five hundred trophy or you know his name on the trophy more than anything in the world because you know both Pagano and Will Power have won it. Uh, McLaughlin, I think, you know, is definitely from what we've seen so far, you know, he, I think he, I don't think he'll win this year, but I think that, you know, if he stays out of trouble, I think you could probably see a top 10 out of McLaughlin. I know that's saying a lot for a rookie and especially the first time ever at Indy, but he really has handled the the racetrack very well in practice and in qualifying. And, you know, uh, again, I I think that I don't want to say that team Penske has been, hiding their cards or what they can do. But yeah, this is team Penske. They, they have what it takes and they know what it takes to win. So I won't be surprised to see anybody on that team, um, you know, win this race. I'll I'll tell you this though, Mike, Will Power, you know, he is such a bound and determined individual, probably more so I think than anybody other than maybe a Dixon on the series. I mean, everybody is, but you know, he's the kind of guy that kind of takes things to the next level. And right now he's ticked off. He's ticked off at himself. He's ticked off at his performance. He's ticked off at it, you know, having to wait literally to the last minute before he, you know, would secure a spot in the qualifying field. I think that that's going to drive him. I think it's going to, you know, uh, definitely inspire him. And when you see a willpower who's, you know, picked off, inspired, motivated, He's going to be a very dangerous guy for the other 32 drivers to compete against. You know, again, power is just so um, motivated to, to show that it was such a freak occurrence, a fluke, if you will. I mean, there is, it, it was since 1995, 26 years ago that, you know, we didn't, we saw a Penske car not qualify for the race, you know, and then willpower did not want to be that guy. So I mean, your thoughts about Will Power, and we'll get back into more about Team Penske in a minute, but I mean, your thoughts about Power, even though he's in the last row, middle of the last row, 
And, and unfortunately, that's one of the worst spots to be in because if there is a mid-pack race or a wreck, rather, you know, he's going to be in some serious uh, trouble if, if the packs are really running super tight. Where do you go if there's a big wreck in front of you? So tell me your thoughts about Will Power for this race. Well, I've got to tell you, the last few days I've really been thinking about this. Um, you know, you are correct. Will Power is somebody who, when is in a slump, can kind of get PO'd at maybe himself or how things are going and uh, that does really motivate him to perform well. And when you talk about guys who at Indy uh, really want to perform well, and if they're not, uh, you know, if they're not having a race go the way they want, you can tell how uh, just by the way they drive about how intense they are. He's kind of reminding me of uh, Alexander Rossi. You know, uh, last few years, you've seen a lot of emotion out of him at Indy. You, you can definitely tell how much he wants to win this race. And uh, I don't know if uh, everybody forgot about this. In 2018, Rossi qualified 32nd. And <laughs> over the course of the race, he made his way up through the field and ended up finishing fourth. So I, I think we could see something like that out power. Um, I, I still don't think he can win the race. I still think that's way too far back of starting position, but, uh, you know, it is 500 miles. And I think if he plays his cards right and maybe has a little bit of luck on his side, he could get within a top 10 or even top five. What about, uh, you mentioned Rossi, he wins the 100th anniversary of the 500 back in 2016. I was there. I remember that race very clearly. It just seems though that the last couple of years, and I'm not just speaking specifically about the 500, I'm talking about in general uh, rate, you know, overall with uh, the IndyCar series, Rossi's just not been the Rossi of 2016 or 2017, even 2018 for that matter. He's just not been the, the dominating type. And you can see the frustration many times, uh, you know, especially 19 and 20, 2019, 2020, you know, when he didn't fare very well, not just at Indianapolis, but other races in, in total, has Alexander Rossi lost a step, if you will, or, you know, has his being upset at not succeeding wound up being a detriment to him that's keeping him back? I mean, I mean, he's always been a very laid back kind of guy. Don't get me wrong. You know, he's, he's very soft spoken, you know, he's, he is kind of got a, a very dry wit and, and a sense of humor about him, which is good. But he just seems like when adversity happens, he really lets it eat up, lets it eat it up inside of him. And, you know, how does he overcome that kind of thing to really do well and maybe win a second time at Indy? Yeah, I mean, there are some guys that, uh, you know, when they're in a slump, it really gets to them and. You know, Rossi may very well be uh, a guy like that. I, I really think what could boost his confidence would be a few good finishes. Um, he is starting 10th, so he definitely has a chance to have a, another good run. And who knows? He could possibly win it. That I think that would definitely relieve a lot of stress. But, uh, yeah, I, I really don't know what the deal is with him. You know, a lot. Uh, it seems just like two years ago, we thought he would be the next American champion in IndyCar. And uh, unfortunately, things haven't uh, been going the way as I'm sure he would like it. Uh, 
you know, Colton Herta has kind of stepped up to the plate to become mm-hmm. the face of Andretti Autosport. Uh, but, you know, I, I think if Rossi can get, uh, you know, get a good finish this weekend and have some more, uh, you know, going forward, uh, I think he can turn things around. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you see in all sorts of types of motorsports or even other sports sometimes when you're in a slump, that, that really gets to you. Exactly. You know, one thing about this weekend, uh, and we're taping this on Tuesday, the 25th, uh, I didn't want to ignore this. And we'll get back a little bit more to Sunday's race in a moment. But I wanted to talk, talk to you a little bit about tomorrow, Wednesday. You know, again, we're taping this on Tuesday. So Wednesday, the 26th of May, is a very significant day in IndyCar history in the sense that it was 25 years ago on Wednesday, the 26th that we saw the Indy 500 take place. And it was the first of, what was it? 12, I think years in a row where uh, cart, uh, you know, was not a true member or, you know, participant in the 500. I mean, there was the split between the Indy racing league and cart cart had the U S 500 in, in uh, Michigan at Michigan international speedway, the same day as the Indy 500 drew 120,000 people, which was very, very good. But you know, uh, I've been doing a, quite a few stories about both the U.S. 500 as well as the Indy 500 from 1996 for Auto Week. And I just, you know, looking back at that time and that history, I mean, that's actually right around the time you were born. Now I think about it. But, you know, looking back. I say I'm a youngin', Jerry. That's right. You're a youngin' and I'm an oldin'. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, you, you look back at that race and even today, even after the merger in 2008, you know, we've been to, you know, a reunified series uh, for the last, what, uh, what, 13 years now it's been. Um, there's still a lot of people that think about that break, that split, uh, and they don't even want to talk about it. You know, a lot of the bigger names just do not want to talk about it, even though, you know, we're, we're on a very good path right now. IndyCar is, you know, is definitely charting upwards in terms of popularity, uh, the fans, I think we're going to get about 200 some thousand people at, at Indy, even with the COVID uh, uh, situation. TV ratings are starting to climb. Um, e- even though you were just a, a little infant, if you will, back then, you know, that race just made so much impact upon the motorsports fan in the U.S. And, you know, back then, IndyCar was kind of the king of motorsports. And, well, I mean, I'm sorry, the kart series was the, the, the king of motorsports back then. And when the split came with the startup of the IRL, that allowed NASCAR to move in to become the dominant motorsports series in the country. Where do you think this, you know, where we're at right now, the fact that people are still talking about it and still may have some hard feelings that they don't even want to talk about, you know, the reunification and where we are right now, what does that say? I mean, will we ever get over that, that fact that, you know, it, it was just such a very difficult time. It was a difficult Indy 500. Yeah, it was sold out, but, you know, people who had bought tickets way in advance were looking to see, you know, Michael Andretti, Mar- Marco and, or Mario Andretti, uh, you know, all the big names of the racing and they weren't there because of the split, you know, at, at Indianapolis. And a lot of them wouldn't come back. I think the first uh, cart driver that came back to the 500, I believe, was in 2001, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, at least five years went by without a cart driver in the 500. Just talk a little bit about that 
race in particular in 96 and you know what it and, and the other thing too is one other thing I want to mention before I turn it back over to you is that race also ended the IndyCar I'm sorry the uh, IRL the Indy Racing League's initial season there were only three races in that season and you know both um, Buzz um, Calkins and uh, Scott Sharp shared the championship, but a three-race championship. I mean, we, we've heard, you know, even three-race playoffs, but let alone a three-race championship, if you will. But just your thoughts about what you've read about the 96 uh, 500, the 96 season overall. What are your thoughts about that as we go forward? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I was too young to, you know, even remember that. I, I was alive. I was just like a year and a half, two years old. Uh, but no, uh, I've, I've read a lot about the split. Uh, it is a topic that greatly interests me. Um, so I guess I'll be buying a copy of Indie Split soon. Uh, <laughs> That's no, it, it's, um, it's the book by John Orovitz. And uh, uh, we, you know, this past uh, episode of the Racing Beat podcast, we had John on, and it was really a very enlightening um, uh, discussion. It's still, you know, you can still uh, listen to the podcast as well too. So that's what Michael's referring to is Indie Split, the book that was written by John Orbitz, which really capitalizes everything that led up to the split, as well as you know the the fallout over the last several years. But anyway, I'm sorry, I just wanted to throw that in there though. Go ahead. No, I, I definitely got to say, if you're listening to this and you want to learn more about the split, I would uh, definitely recommend checking that podcast out. But no, no, the uh, 96 Indy 500, uh, you know, if you had to pick, you know, the top 10 races that forever cha- uh, changed motorsport, I would definitely put that in the, put that in there. I, I mean, uh, you know, it, it basically began a 12 year battle for the control of the sport. And, uh, you know, it's definitely a bloody battle. Um, I had the, you know, had the um, IRL never been started, had the US 500 never happened, uh, I think IndyCar racing would be very different. You know, uh, perhaps we would have, you know, different drivers. There may very well be different tracks that are still on the schedule or still even exists in the case of places like Nazareth. Uh, you know, careers will have changed. Team- there would be different teams. It, it definitely changed the sport. Um, I, I mean, I do personally feel that even, even by, you know, 94 when Tony George first announced the IRL and 96 when the series actually first took off, you know, NASCAR was really gaining on IndyCar. So I, I definitely believe it would have been possible for NASCAR to eventually eclipse uh, IndyCar if these it had remained one series but I, I definitely think they would be both a lot more closer in popularity we may v- have very well seen uh, a lot more you know drivers not pursue a NASCAR career and uh, still try to race in IndyCar I know the point of the IRL was to attract more American drivers but uh, and I mean, let's get real. If you were an American driver, you know, in the late 1990s, would you rather uh, race a, you know, 10, 12 race IRL schedule in front of 15,000 people outside of Indy? Or would you want to go to Winston Cup, race 30 or so races, become a multimillionaire, you know, race in front of a thousand people, a hundred thousand people? I, mm-hmm. I 
uh, the choice is obvious. And so I, uh, you know, Tony Stewart ended up going cup racing and that's a decision I'm sure he does not regret, regret at all. Um, but you know, the current state of the sport now that it's been, it's been over a decade since reunification, I'm sure there might be a few people who have, you know, wounds that are still healing, but, uh, the mood is definitely a lot more positive. The sport is on the upswing. It's going to take a lot of time to rebuild the fan base. Um, and to be honest, it, you know, this series probably will never be as popular as cart was in the nineties, but uh, I definitely think there is a lot more room for improvement. I think we can, I don't think we'll ever uh, pass NASCAR, but I think the gap can certainly be closed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I you know a lot of people have called the current uh, IndyCar series Cart 2.0, mm-hmm. and I would kind of agree with that because a lot of the same teams are back in the sport. You know, Penske, Ganassi, Andretti, which of course at that time was uh, Green Racing. Uh, you know, a lot of classic venues have returned. I mean. Going over the last few years, uh, you know, places like Road America, Portland, Laguna Seca, you know, uh, tracks that were staples of the card schedule have returned. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a really good field with uh, both domestic and international talent. So I, I think IndyCar's on the um, headed in the right direction. Now it's just, uh, yeah, we got great drivers. How do we make them household names again? Yeah, we got great tracks. Uh, how do we fill them to capacity? Uh, you know, we got uh, classic teams like Penske and Ganassi and all of the other ones. How do we, and pretty much every team, I believe, has some sort of full-time sponsor or uh, some sort of sponsorship. But how do we, uh, how do we bring that household names, you know, the Budweiser's, the Targets, how do we get sponsors like that back in the sport? There's a lot to, a uh, lot of work to do, but uh you know, the foundation has definitely been set. So it'll be interesting to see where the series goes in the next few years. All right, let's get back to the Indy 500 uh, that's running this Sunday, uh, May 30th, down in Indianapolis. The weather looks good. Uh, it doesn't look great, though. Uh, you know, from what we're, again, we're taping this on Tuesday, so the weather could change by Sunday. But from everything I've read, there there is very, it's likely there will not be any precipitation of note but the temperatures are going to be cool. They're saying a high of 72, which may be a little chilly for the fans in the stands, but from a racing 72 standpoint. 72 degrees chilly, Jerry? Well, well, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. You know, a lot of fans will bring windbreakers with them or something because by the end of the afternoon, it'll start getting chilly probably. But the point I'm making is you couldn't ask for better weather for race cars, for racing. I mean – if you have a, 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 rate, a green flag start and the temperatures are, let's say, 70, 71, 72, that is going to provide probably the most optimal conditions that we've seen at the Indy 500 in many, many years. Uh, because the cooler the, the temperature is outside, the cooler the racetrack is, the better the traction, the better the uh, adhesion, the better uh, for drivers to move around. I think this could be a, a classic IndyCar 500 uh, race that people are going to talk about it for a long time. And it's going to start basically with cooler temperatures. Do you see what I'm saying with this? Yeah, absolutely. And I am keeping my fingers crossed for a very competitive race because uh, got a lot of talent in this field. And I definitely think they could put on a show. 
What I mean, you know, we've talked about who we think is going to win, or you know, the 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 favorites, the guys that may not do so well. What we haven't really talked about are the young guys. I mean, we really, I mean, we've mentioned about Colton Herta, we've mentioned about Pato Award, uh, Alex Polo, uh, uh, VK, Renus VK. I mean, there are a lot of young guys that can win this race. I see a little bit of similarity between this year's race and 2016, the 100th anniversary, because that's when. Um, um, uh, uh, Lot, totally Alexander lost. Rossi. Thank you. I, I just I had a Freudian slip there. Alexander Rossi wins as a rookie, and he did it in a fairly convincing fashion. Yeah, there was you know fuel mileage situations. He he played the game perfectly and got the win. Could we? I mean, there's always fuel mileage issues at the end of the 500. But you know these young guys, these young guns. I mean, I'm not going to be surprised to see a guy like Colton Herta or Pato Award or VK or anybody like that win. I mean, of the young crop, who do you think has the best chance of winning? Ooh, that's a really tough one because they're they all seem to have a lot of talent. Uh, you know, the the two got young guys uh, with Mister Dixon in row one, uh, I definitely could see winning. Herta, I mean, he's got a lot of talents. Um, he damn near won the pole until Dixon came out to the track. Uh, you know, Renus VK, he also obviously has a lot of talent, having won the uh, Grand Prix uh, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, he's in an ECR Chevy, which always, you know, uh, that's a good seat to be in when you're at the Indy 500. Well, let's not um, forget Ed Carpenter, the team owner. I mean, he does almost always does very well there. He just has never been able to put together a win. I mean, from a sentimental standpoint, yeah, we're talking about the young guys, but Ed Carpenter, man, what would that mean to have a guy like him who's been knocking on the door for what's it been, 15, 16, 20 years, whatever it's been, uh, to finally win? I, I would love to see that. I mean, that place would go crazy. Oh, absolutely. Ed Carpenter is definitely a favorite at the Brickyard. Um, you know, this team definitely puts all of its efforts into winning the race, and uh, I I mean, I, if he won, I wouldn't be surprised if he just retired on the spot because he he had accomplished his goal. Um, you know, Ed Carpenter, obviously his stepfather is Tony George. So mm-hmm. he has basically spent his entire life around the Speedway. Um, he's a native Hoosier. He graduated from Butler University. Uh, he's very familiar with the Indianapolis area and, of course, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, it, it would be, I'm sure, a lifelong dream for him to win at the Indy 500. So right, exactly. I definitely would not count him out. Okay. Mike, in conclusion here, you know, we've had a great podcast here. A lot of uh, thoughts, you know, surprises, uh, disappointments of what's going on, what may go on on Sunday. Um, where do you see the Indy 500 go from here? I mean, you know, this will be Roger Penske's first 500 official 500 if you will with crowd fans in the stands he, he you know when he, when he bought the series at the end of 2020 or 2019 rather um you know he obviously could didn't have fans in 2020 they had to move the race date from its typical memorial day weekend slot to middle of august um this is going to be very pivotal for the race for penske roger penske for his organization both you know on the indycar side as well as you know team penske um where, where, where do you see this all going in terms of the Penske legacy? I mean, 
I would love to see a Team Penske driver win, especially a guy like a Will Power if he comes from behind, or McLaughlin. I mean, the, the new kid on the block. I mean, I'd love to see that. But where, where do you think the 500 goes from here now that we'll have the first through 500 with a lot of fans in the stands? It may not be total capacity, but, hey, I'll take 200,000 fans uh, uh, you know, any day if you can't get 300,000 in there. Uh, I guess to put simply, the future of the Indy 500 is very bright Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely feel like in uh, a few years down the road, Roger Penske will definitely be looked as the man who helped navigate the speedway and the sport as a whole through a very difficult year um, in 2020. Uh, you know, before the pandemic already, uh, the 500 was seeing renewed interest. Uh, obviously, that massive sellout crowd in 2016 for the 100th running mm-hmm. and uh, very respectable crowd, respectable crowds uh, in the years after. Um, just, you know, guys like Fernando Alonso coming over to participate in the event. Uh, it truly is the greatest spectacle in racing. And now that the uh, sport is in good hands and is slowly rebuilding, I think uh, slowly the masses are being reminded of what originally uh, drew them to the great race. So the future, I definitely see large crowds, large entry lists, and uh, big-name drivers returning. I mean, we already got a bunch of great drivers uh, at the Speedway, but, you know, more interest from the Formula One and NASCAR crowd. The only way I think that this race could get any more uh, attention and notoriety is if AJ Foyt or Mar- Mario Andretti both came back to drive. We know that's not going to happen, but I mean, <laughs> it's a great thought to have though. You know what I'm saying? So, but, but Mike, listen, thank you ever so much for taking the time here uh, on the racing beat. Really enjoyed this podcast. And we're going to do some more of these things. Uh, you know, we've talked to some people, um, you know, both at the Believe Podcast Network, which is our, kind of our home and we're going to do a little bit more interaction uh, podcasts going forward, as well as the regular podcast we have with guests as well. So we're working on some some other new guests coming up for uh, the month of June. So stay tuned for that. We got a lot going, and we're st- we're you know we've been kind of on a hiatus with the racing beat, our blog on the Substack platform. Uh, we're going to start kicking that back into gear this week and next week, and uh, looking forward to doing that as well. And I know Mike, you're going to be right in the middle of that as well with me. So. I appreciate all your help and all your time and uh, great insight as always on the IndyCar side. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon then, Mike. Yeah. Thanks for having me again, Jerry. And let's have a good race this weekend. Exactly. All right. That's the, this weekend's edition of the, the racing beat. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back with more next week, right here on the racing beat. Thanks to Michael Eubanks for uh, his insight on the Indy 500. And we'll talk to you soon, everybody have a great race and we'll take care. We'll talk to you later. Take care.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.